0: Cornelius is a gentleman who works in the Roman army. He's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. But as the scripture tells us, he's not a pagan. Instead, he was called a God-fearer. This was a group of people who were not born Jewish, yet they revered and worshipped and prayed to the Jewish God. And it says in our scripture that Cornelius was a generous man, that not only was he praying to God, he was giving alms and dedication to God's names. And so uh, one way to look at who Cornelius is, he is not converted to Judaism. They're not calling him a convert to Judaism. So one way to look at him is is that he worships God, but he hasn't joined the church yet. One way to to describe who he is. He is a Gentile. He is a non-Jew. He receives in a vision that he needs to go find this Peter guy, but he doesn't know what Peter is going to tell him. He just knows that he's supposed to hear what Peter has. To say. as he has dispatched men to go find Peter Peter's up on the roof and he has a vision of this sheet that comes down filled with all kinds of animals. we need to know that in the Hebrew scriptures in the law that God had given to the Jewish people, God had said there's this group of animals that you can eat and this group of animals that you cannot eat and the group of animals that you cannot eat were given the term unclean. We're not talking about dirty like you get dirts on your hands. It was just a word to use to describe this group of animals, is unclean. And Peter hears this voice saying, okay, it's okay to eat all of this now. And Peter says, nope, not going to do it. I've never eaten of these animals. I'm a devout Jew. I've done everything you've taught me to do. I'm not going to eat these. And three times this happens. You have to do this. When Peter comes out of his vision, he's rather confused about this. He doesn't know what this vision means. Then there's a knock at the door and it's the men that Cornelius has sent. Peter goes immediately with them. They travel a day or two to get back to Cornelius' house where Peter finds a crowd waiting in the house. We've got friends, family, servants in the household. They've all gathered because Cornelius says you got to come and hear what this guy is going to say. Peter is welcomed with his small entourage into a Gentile home and asked to speak. And that's when Peter says, okay, all right, I get it now. I get it now. That whole sheet thing that wasn't actually about dietary restrictions and what I'm allowed to eat, God was saying, oh, the Gentiles. The Gentiles are fine. The Gentiles are good. I'm including the Gentiles. And Peter says, I get it. I get it. Okay, here's what Peter actually said. He said, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. God shows no partiality. God does not play favorites. God does not have favorites. He says says that in every nation, that's better translated in every person, in all people, everybody, everybody, north, south, east, west, Jew, Gentile, all of them, In every nation, anyone who fears God, that word fear is not scared, it's not frightened. That word fears means in awe of. Anyone who is in awe of God, who reveres God, who worships God, and does what is right, anyone who worships God and strives for a right relationship with God, who tries for that righteous life, who tries for that, that relationship with God that guides your steps, Anyone who worships God, reveres God, does what is right, strives for that righteous relationship, is acceptable to God. That's what Peter is seeing here. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live, where you were raised, which language you speak, what color your skin is, whether you're rich or poor or somewhere in between. It doesn't matter what your job is. God doesn't have favorites. And what Peter is learning, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, God's going to love you. God's going to love you. And what Peter is saying is, if you worship God and strive for that life in which God is directing your steps, that's enough for God. Peter goes on to the crowd and starts preaching about Jesus Christ and the gift of the good news, and the gift of the gospel of Jesus Christ. While Peter is still preaching, the Holy Spirit descends upon the house. The Holy Spirit descends on a bunch of Gentiles. And the people who've traveled with Peter, the Jewish Christians, are stunned and amazed that the Holy Spirit has come down from God on a non-Jewish household. And they are stunned. Peter then goes back to the church based in Jerusalem and says, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. The Holy Spirit has come to the Gentiles and everyone praised God. Notice what's happening here in this passage. Peter is a devout Jew. He has lived by the law. We know from his own statements, He's, he's abiding by the law of the dietary restrictions. And God is saying... The Hebrew scriptures and the tradition that you're doing is fine, but that's not everything. There's more to it. I want you to see something else here. But Peter doesn't get it. He doesn't get what God is telling him until he has an experience meeting the others. Peter's understanding of scripture and tradition is challenged by God and illumined by experience with the other. The voice of God said, What God makes clean, you must not call profane. What God has made clean, you must not call profane. For Peter, Cornelius was unclean. Cornelius was unclean. For for centuries in the church and in scripture, women are undervalued and slaves just have no value. Yet John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, ordained two African American slaves when he was in Georgia. And he knew dozens of women that he finally caved in and said, okay, I get it. There are some women who have an extraordinary gift and who can actually speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who has God made clean? Who has God redeemed? Who has God made worthy? Mark O'Reilly, I read, I read his story in his own blog, so this is from his own words. Mark O'Reilly was, had fallen into and had joined a satanic cult when he was young. He was worshiping Satan. He had risen in the ranks within this cult to become a satanic priest. One day when he was on the street, a young woman came up to him and said, hey, do you want to go see a movie? And he saw, oh great, here's another opportunity for me to recruit another young woman to join my harem of slave women. But she took him to Tremont Street Baptist Church in Boston. He went in with her to watch the movie. When the movie was over, Mark was in tears. Tears were streaming down his face. And the speaker got up and said, If this is your life in this movie, then you need to stop it, turn around. I invite you to come forward so that someone can talk to you about that, about turning your life around. Mark got up, he went forward, he prayed, and he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. Mark O'Reilly is now a pastor, Christian pastor. Satanic priest to Christian pastor. I don't think it's past any of us to say we would put satanic priest in the column of unredeemable, unworthy, unclean. But God had other plans. God had other plans. God judges who is worthy. God makes people worthy. God redeems and makes us worthy. Who does God make clean? Who does God make worthy? The voice said, what God makes clean, you must not call profane. Human beings are really good at judging each other. We are really good at judging each other and putting people in categories. We put people in categories. We are really good at calling somebody else unworthy, unclean, unredeemable, unlovable, unacceptable. Gang members, drug addicts, criminals, illegal immigrants, Muslims, gays, elected officials, Quite frankly, if you're in this country and English is not your first language, there is going to be somebody who is going to say you are unworthy. But let me put it to you this way. If God looks at you and says you are worthy, how are you going to look at someone else and say you are not worthy? The reality is all of us are the other to someone else. Cornelius was the other for Peter. Slaves and women were the other for John Wesley. Mark Riley was the other for this young woman. I am an other. I'm a woman. I have no idea what it means to live as a man. Therefore, I am an other to every single man sitting here in this room. I'm also a married woman who chose not to have children. That makes me an other in society. Hello, I'm preaching. That makes me an other. I have a southern accent. That makes me an other. We all have others, but at the same time, we are also an other to someone else. And if God can make me worthy, if God can make you worthy, then God can make your other worthy. A friend of mine told me this story just this week. Years ago she took her young daughter with her down to a food pantry in East Dallas. They were going there to volunteer. And when they arrived in the parking lot, there was a gentleman in the parking lot that she said was covered in tattoos including his bald head. And these were violent tattoos. And she has running through her mind, what am I exposing my daughter to? What have I gotten into? What are we doing here? Then she got to know this man, who had also come to volunteer. Turns out he's a teddy bear of a man, quite friendly, kind, humble. He said that when he was a teenager, he was forced to join a gang, and all of his tattoos were placed upon him by force. And it reminded me of an episode of the TV show ER, the George Clooney, um, Anthony Edwards version of ER. And there's a scene, a couple of scenes there that happen in the trauma room. And it is an unconscious man who's on a stretcher in the trauma room, covered in tattoos. And one nurse says, I've got a swastika over here. And another nurse says, I've got die, inward die, over here. In a later scene, the man's conscious, and he turns to the nurses, and he says, I'm so sorry you had to see all of that. He said, I'm not that man anymore. I keep my tattoos to remind me of the man I used to be and the man I don't want to be. We judge each other really, really well. But God judges who is clean. God makes people clean. God makes people worthy. God makes people lovable. God makes people redeemable. Jesus redeemed on the cross. The voice said, what God makes clean, we will not call. You must not call profane. What God makes clean, we must not call profane. We judge others for a lot of different reasons. No matter who we call redeemable, God can make them clean, and we cannot call them profane. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hate in this world. There's a lot of anger in this world. I, I, honestly, if I didn't need to keep up with certain members of the congregation on Facebook, I'm ready to drop it. I'm tired of, of seeing all this hate that's put out there. I'm tired of seeing it. But there was a story that came out last month. There's a story that came out last month out of Oxford, Alabama. Out of Oxford, Alabama. Three young black men went out for dinner. They went to a barbecue joint. Barbecue's different in Alabama than Texas, but it's still a barbecue joint. They went to a barbecue joint. And while they were eating dinner, they noticed an elderly white woman sitting by herself. And one of the young black men said, I don't like to see anybody eating alone. So he went up to this white elderly woman and invited her to join them for dinner, which she did. There's a picture on Facebook of three young black men and an elderly white widow sitting together and having dinner. That quartet now gets together regularly for dinner. Yet I know people that if a young black man approached them in a restaurant, they would have been filled with fear and not would have acknowledged his existence. But I also know young people that would see an elderly person, no matter what the race, and would never have given them the time of day. Young black men, elderly white widow, you talk about being others to each other. Yet what we judge, that's not ours to judge. God's to judge, for God's to make clean, for God to redeem, for God to love, and for us to learn how. God puts the other in our life in order for us to see the richness and the fullness of God's love. God puts the other in our life to put that mirror up to our face and say, here is where love ends and hate begins. uh, God puts the other in our life as a gift a gift so I want you to consider these questions who is the other that God has placed in your life who is it that God has placed before you and said this is what love looks like who has God placed in your life and you think I can't possibly love this person and be truthful with yourself consider these questions who has God made clean And remember that God made you clean. And if God can make me clean, can God make other people clean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Consider this question. Who is it that we call profane, that we call unworthy, that we call unredeemable, that we say God can't possibly be there? Who is that? What God makes clean, we must not call profane. I want you to examine your own life this week. Who in your life are you saying not worthy? Who in your life are you saying not acceptable? Who in your life are you saying not lovable, not redeemable? And flip it. Has God put that person in your life because you need to see what God's love really looks like? Is that person in your life because God's trying to show you something? God loves you. God loves you. God made you clean. God makes you clean every morning that you wake up. Jesus redeems you. Give praise to God for the other that God has placed in your life. And God redeems them too. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.